0: Write out what you're passionate about.
1: This is sue freck and i'm your host of the happy marketer connection podcast brought to you by vesta each week along with my guests other fellow passionate marketers and business owners we will explore engaging and inventive marketing strategies and toast brands making impactful consumer connections please kick back relax and join our happy half hour of marketing inspiration and positivity and come away a happier and smarter marketer as a marketer we work to bring products and campaigns to life through creative content media and of course people What we may often forget about is that we are building our company's brand, but we should also focus on building our own personal brand. Before platforms like LinkedIn or social platforms like Twitter and Instagram, business leaders and especially employees often separated themselves from their work. So individuals were independent of the work that they did. Today, this is often a blurred line. I remember a time when personal branding was left to celebrities, actors, athletes, we all know we've seen that a personal brand can be just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the company itself. Example, Elon Musk. My guest today is Pia Marquez. She is a digital marketing senior manager at Del Monte Foods. Pia is actually not here to talk about her role at Del Monte, but rather she will share the importance of focusing on your personal brand, particularly when at a larger corporation where you can get lost in the sea of marketing fish. She'll share how to effectively build your personal brand. She also recently went through a job search, and she can share how her personal website helped her stand out amongst the other incredible senior digital marketers. Pia, welcome to our show. Okay, great. Welcome back to another episode of the Happy Marketer Connection. Welcome, Pia Marquez, so much as a guest today. Thank you for being on my podcast.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So we are talking personal brand, building your personal brand, and I know we will have lots to say about that um, in the upcoming minutes here, but let's start back a little bit, background, as an icebreaker. How or when did you know you wanted to work in marketing?
0: That's a great question. I think growing up, so actually I was like an immigrant here to the U.S. And so I was just, everything was just so different and new and just watching TV, I just like was absorbed with all of the, the glamorous images, all the colors and everything. And that's what really, really pulled me in, I think, to marketing because it's just such a storytelling. And I, I love that about being able to tell a story about a product.
1: Yeah. It's like, you remember being inspired by something or memories of a funny commercial or an ad. And and it's it's certainly you're like, wow, this this has moved me. I can do this for others. So, you know, simply put, you know, why is it really important to build your personal brands? You know, what is, what does this mean to you when you talk about it to others? If someone were to ask you what, what is building your personal brand mean?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I really think that like, I think of building a personal brand, just like how companies have mission statements. You know, I believe that it's important to have a personal brand in order to like focus yourself. It's really easy to get lost with the millions of things like competing all around for your attention. So just having a personal brand can really focus what you really want to showcase and what values are important to you and can really help you guide decisions, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's professionally, whether it's, you know, people you hang out with, um, it just kind of all ladders up to one, one focus.
1: I love that. I love summarizing like a mission statement. We my call right after speaking with you is about us rebuilding out our mission statement because Mm -hmm. who we were 11 years ago is not who we are today, and we haven't rewritten it. And I know you aren't supposed to do it every year, but I think then you know it it allows you have to dig deep into like who you are, who you want others to see you as, and what do you stand for. Like I think that's so important. I love your personal website. (laughs) Um, I just think it's so brilliant. Like why not? be able to tell your story with the colors, the imagery, the font, you know, the text. It's such a simple concept, yet I've not seen it before. You know, what really prompted you to build
0: it? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, It's good to get feedback. But I think mostly living in the Bay Area, I have a lot of friends in the tech space, um, whether they're developers or designers, and many of them have online portfolios, and it's pretty standard within the industry. And I thought, wow, this is like a fantastic way as a marketer to present yourself as well. And I felt that like oftentimes, especially, you know, when people are looking for new opportunities, you have to cram in all the things that you've done, everything that is important to you, what you represent in one sheet of paper that is keyword optimized to get past all the recruiting bots. And it's not a true representation of who you are. So that's kind of what, stimulated the idea of having a website is like i thought okay if i can make it past hr having a website can really like showcase what i'm about and um, my experience my personality and actually like once i created it i felt that a lot of my interview applications like responses were were exponentially more receptive to it so and that's often one of the things in the interviews that the recruiter asks first
1: that's amazing. Yeah. And it is, again, such a simple concept. Like you said, other, other marketers and creatives and obviously tech, they, they're always showcasing their work. But gosh, us as marketers, you know, we do some great work too. But I do think being able to tell your story with your own words, because it's so true, the, the keywords when you're out looking for a job, you know, they're picking up on specific keywords. You don't get an opportunity to tell that full story. Speaking of full story, you describe yourself as a full stack marketer. I mean, you've got some really <laughs> great, deep experience, but broad experience. You know, when you say full stack market, what what does that mean to others?
0: Yeah, honestly, it probably means I've been in the Bay Area long enough to pick up the lingo. (laughs) Um, Overall, I think it's just a shorthand way of saying that I've done a little bit of everything within the marketing world. Um, I've been in like sales tangential roles, to social media, to PR, to the account agency strategy side, to performance marketing, to brand management. So basically considering myself as a full stack marketer, like I've touched it all.
1: (laughs) And you know, like where did you go to get all these skills? Was it in each role or did you have to go back to school? Just love to understand because you've just built such a, a nice a range of skills again.
0: Yeah, I like honestly I've never planned to become the jack of all trades. It's <laughs> it's how like my career has morphed, but I think a lot of these skills were picked up within each of the roles and you know, it became useful as my career developed to understand what the different departments are struggling with, because often I've touched so many roles, I can reflect back, okay, when I was a brand marketer, this were the roadblocks um, that I faced. So I can sympathize when I work cross-functionally across roles with their struggles, and it's one of those that I felt was a strength because it really helps build those relationships with your peers.
1: Yeah, having that empathy, particularly when you're asking, you're working, um, you know, collaboratively, cross-functionally, having that empathy and saying, okay, I've been in their shoes, (laughs) I know what it's like, um, can certainly help as well. You know, I think one of the toughest things I learned really early on was that you have to be your own champion also. You know, I've worked at big companies, small companies, but you have to get exposure to the stakeholders, even if it's not just your manager, but your manager's manager. How do you help somebody navigate um, when you're talking to them, you know, you've been able to do this or how have you done this when when it comes to really reaching out to a stakeholder?
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think you would hope that your work could speak for itself, but unfortunately it's not always the case at many corporations or companies. And actually This particular skill of being your own champion has been particularly very challenging for me because I'm actually pretty introverted, and so um, my upbringing also was very, that rewards obedience and not pushing back. So I really started to understand how to become my own champion when I became a people manager. So I was championing my team to the higher-ups and the executives, and I realized that my own actions as the team leader weren't reciprocated in the same way. So I had to, you know, champion myself above to the the director, the C-suite level in the same way. So starting to speak up more and show, I think, what makes sense and what will make people listen when you're championing for yourself is how it all relates back to your company's goals. Like I am doing this and this is like the outcome because at the end of the day, everyone in the company should be looking at the bottom line or wherever the objectives are for the company. And if you're tracking in the same place, people are going to perk up their ears and listen.
1: Yeah. Have you ever had to like reach out um, in a cold way to, you know, a stakeholder or a manager and, and say, hey, this is some of the work or this is an idea I've had?
0: Yeah, honestly, so I think depending on different companies, but everyone can get so siloed in their own day-to-day tasks and not understand what other people are working on. So even I've done it before where there's been like almost three months, a whole quarter where I didn't talk to a director level. I was like, let me just put time on the calendar because at the end of the day, they're people too. And I just wanted to like introduce myself and like let them know what projects I've been working on, how it can help theirs. And so I think it's just, Being brave enough to start those conversations is the biggest hurdle um, because at the end of the day, especially if you're in the same team, they want to know what you're working on as well. Yeah. And I
1: think as long as you come prepared, right, you're not wasting their time. You're bringing something of value. Um, even, Even asking questions, you know, they obviously see things from a different perspective, but I just think that's so, so smart. You know, if you were to recommend to some of the listeners that might be earlier in their career, you know, how would they go about developing broad skills? Like, should they map this out? What are some of your thoughts on that?
0: I recommend those that are especially early in their career to look for stretch projects that are a little bit outside their comfort level or department, like maybe it's once a year. Just start with a goal. I want to do one stretch project a year. Um, It could also be through volunteer opportunities. A lot of nonprofit is looking for any help that they can get. So let's say you're a marketer, but you've never done community management. Because you've been just doing performance marketing, for example. Reach out to a nonprofit that's one that's aligned with your personal values and say, hey, I would love to like try to do your community management, answer, answer, you know, the direct messages, comments um, for a month and see where that takes you. I think you'll learn a lot of different skills that you wouldn't have had when you had on hand experience and you can learn that you loved it, you can learn that you hated it. I think both are very valuable and then continue to refine over time.
1: Yeah, that's such a good idea. I hadn't even thought of that, you know, reaching out and, and volunteering your time. And I'm sure there are so many organizations that would appreciate help. So I think that's just a great, great, great suggestion. So if you do you really consider that your career path was linear. You know, is this how you envisioned it mapping out? Or was there a map? <laughs> no,
0: definitely not. Um I, I had waves in my career. I've had moments of plateau. I've I've also had exponential growth. is was lucky enough for that too. Not all is what I expected. It's been a journey for sure. Um I think mapping is good to understand where you want to end up, but don't be afraid if if you end up in a different place. Like it's it's not that scary. <laughs>
1: Which is so true. I mean, I I laugh at my career. I was at five companies in the first seven years and my father had an absolute heart attack. He was in the same company for 40 years and he said, how dare you? I said, just trying to figure out what I'm passionate about. I know it's out there. I know what it is, but I certainly... You know, after the fifth job, I was so frightened, but then I looked at the story that I told that each one was so I could learn a new skill or so I could broaden my experience or work with somebody that I had, that I'd actually looked up to. So I think that, you know, mapping is a funny question, but there are people that certainly go in and say, I want to come out of business school and be a brand manager and then a senior brand manager, director, and they, they do have sort of this, this map. So you've worked at large companies. Obviously, you're at you're at Del Monte. You've worked at um, smaller companies, I as well. You know, GSK. I was at Kraft. Um, now I'm obviously in the startup world. It would be very difficult for me personally, I think, to go back to a large corporation, but I love working with them. All of our clients, you know, are the yep. big Fortune 100, 500 companies. Is there one that you prefer? You've been able to navigate both. And and really, I guess my question is around that also, because I always say, well, I wouldn't fit in a large corporation anymore. But how have you been able to navigate small yeah. and large?
0: No, that's a great, great question. Because, you know, I came from large enterprise at like Clorox, um, really was yearning for the small startup space. And so I did it. I jump shipped. I went to a company that was under 15 people, um, which I also like grew so much. I, I actually loved both experience. I think early on in my career for me personally, and everyone's different. I loved seeing the processing, how other people are thinking. I think with larger companies, you also have people that have been working for a long time, people that you can learn from and mentor compared to startups that um, might have not as much experience in that space. And so I think there's pros and cons with each, but even within large companies, there are pockets of teams that act very entrepreneurial, so it's just really finding that, like going back to Clorox, for example, I asked to be on the B2B team, which is not necessarily as sexy as um, some of their other departments, but it's because when um, I was interning there, I just learned about the leadership on that team, and then also finding out that they're so entrepreneurial comparatively, so it's just finding kind of like what you're passionate about within any size companies, because Honestly, like even a small company can have more politics than an enterprise yes. company.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that. Oh my gosh, I, I've definitely heard that. So for sure, I think it's it is so interesting. If you can find that entrepreneur, if you're if you are someone that thrives in an yes. entrepreneurial environment, and you can find that at a large company, I think that is really exciting. The other thing, you know, when I was early at at GSK, you know, one of the things I loved is that. I could sit with my manager and sort of map out my career and say, okay, I want to try this department. You know, I started in sales and I moved into marketing. And so I think that's the advantage, but I do think you also make a really good point about processes. I learned so much about fundamental processes in the big company that I could then take to, to, to the smaller company. But you know, like you said, the smaller companies, you are doing maybe 10 jobs. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so that's where you become a jack of all trades. I agree. Like the processes I really did learn at the larger companies that that was like one of my biggest value adds going to a startup was, okay, I could pinpoint where the system's going to break and yeah. where we need to like start to have processes in place.
1: Yeah. So if someone were to ask you like, do, you know, and again, someone maybe even earlier in their career says, do I need to work at a large company? you know, enterprise company or on a large brand, what would you say to them?
0: like honestly no um yeah. like despite everything we just talked about you know marketing nowadays can come from so many different things like small d2c companies are turning out amazing content on a daily basis that um, maybe larger companies aren't as nimble to and so i think what marketers should understand is there are different challenges of growth at each stage of company so kind of understand what really like drives them like the only reason, I think, to be at a larger company is, do you want those, like, large-scale, glamorous photo shoots with, you know, high-end actors and everything? Mm -hmm. Because that's where the budgets come in from a larger company. (laughs) Do you want a Times Square billboard? Then maybe yes, but other than that, you're going to learn so many great skills at any size company, and just knowing that I think what's key is, like, knowing where the growth stage of the company is, because that's where the priorities are going to be. Is it going to be conversion marketing? Because that's going to be mostly at the small scale startups because they need to get that revenue growth. Is it more awareness tactics like the TV? That's going to be probably at a more established company. So you'll learn everything at any size company. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's good advice. (laughs) It makes so much sense. I'm totally aligned with that what about mentor? You know, I honestly didn't have a mentor until after I started this company and it changed my life. So I do try to mentor people, um, you know, a couple a year. Do you have a mentor? How would you recommend someone finding one? Can you just talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Some companies, again, going back to the larger companies, have it built in into their system, like being able to, um, have development plan for the employees, which is really amazing. However, I feel like sometimes some of those opportunities can feel really forced. So especially knowing, um, like who's listening, those that are graduating from their MBA and graduate school, I would really um, encourage them to seek out to their professors that they really connected with, and a lot of the times, like they have other students that are in fields that they're looking, that are a little bit further along in the careers that they think will be a good match, so that's like one of the avenues that I think is largely untapped. I also want to encourage people to stay in touch with some of their really close professors. I mean, I have done that when coming from UNC, Keenan Flagler, like I'm still in touch with a couple of my really close professors because it's just, they've kind of, you know, quote unquote, raised me for those two years to go into the brand management. And it's just a good, good relationship. I think other things too is, you know, as people are going into jobs or transitioning teams, mentorship oftentimes comes like organically. So maybe you're transitioning to a different team. You really loved your boss. Ask them, hey, can can you be my mentor going forward? I know I don't report to you. Or there might be someone that is doing a lunch and learn at your company or a virtual, I don't know, presentation, and you're really inspired. Reach out to them. I think those are the opportunities that I think people that are sharing their knowledge, are willing to be mentors. Like that is just, you know, it's a hypothesis, but more often than not, I think they'd be open to it. And um, the first step is like really asking the questions because I think it's going to come from a mentee first rather than the mentor saying, Hey, I want to groom you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, don't be afraid to ask. That's I mean one of the most amazing things on LinkedIn, you know, you can actually find someone that you look at their career path or company they've been at and, and reach out to them. And most times they'd be more than willing to, willing to help. Interested in building a home for your audience? Our Vesta solution powers online communities, giving your consumers a home for a world of engagement and connections. To learn more, visit us at Vesta-Go.com. Just going back to the personal brand, you know, where where would you say someone should start if they're thinking of is it writing down their mission statement of of who they are and, and how they want to be represented?
0: Yeah, I mean, companies can go through days and upon weeks of like research and workshopping on your person on their mission statement. So I think knowing that spending a couple hours in one day, you're not going to nail down your personal brand. I think the first thing to do is just start to map out and write out what you're passionate about, what you want to kind of pursue, what projects might interest you, and then just kind of see it organically. Talk to, honestly, some of your friends or co-workers on, hey, what do you think I bring to the table? Because having a second perspective can really open your eyes on, oh, I didn't realize I was doing this and it was actually really valuable um, to the team. I think just kind of asking people what you bring to the table can open your eyes on, oh, I should like lean into this a little bit more, especially if you're something you enjoy.
1: Yeah, I love that idea that just, um, you don't, sometimes you don't remember what it is that, to your point, the value you've brought, or even maybe things that you've done in a negative way, that if you ask, you know, you want to make sure someone can can give you constructive feedback. I know that's hard to do, and people might not do it unless you ask, so that could be really interesting perspective also. You know, I think... Talking about like this world and everything that's going on, we've all had to navigate so much change. how's that been for you? what's that like I don't I know for me it's just pivots the word of the year for me so um and just being nimble uh, yes. but what what about for you <laughs> what's it been like?
0: the same I think you know my current role sits across digital channels and all emerging channels so it's really been Um, a challenge trying to keep up with all the growing channels and I think for me in particular what has been really important is understanding which channels I should enter which ones I should invest in more which ones I should pull back but again all laddering up to what are the different brands objectives of the year so where can we play in more where should we lean back um I think that's kind of the biggest question mark of the year.
1: Is it is it the data that's coming to you that's helping you make these decisions then or relying on teams, you know, having meetings after meetings? I feel like so many of my clients are so just many in, meetings. like <laughs> buckle down and let's meet on this because supply chain or, you know, I have a client that said, you know, they have a really heavy product and so mm-hmm. e-com wasn't for them, but now they've made a lighter package but that was like meeting after meeting to to be able to redo your packaging, you know, that's a huge undertaking. So has it been meetings, data, a little bit of both?
0: A little bit of both. I think, you know, especially COVID in terms of like the lockdown happened in March. And so the data has been coming in, but you're only as fast as the data you're getting. So you need to also know that some of the decisions need to be made without or very little data. So it's about gut feeling and just kind of, just having conversations, whether it's with your agency partners, whether it's with the brand managers, but the, also the other thing, like, even though I consider myself a very data-driven marketer, data can only bring you so much, and you can manipulate data in so many different ways, <laughs> yeah. and so that's where I, like, just, like, caution people just to also take a step back and, like, use your gut knowledge, and if you can, try to talk to your consumers that you're, you're trying to reach, and that will kind of give you the guiding light if you're on the right track or not.
1: And you bring up such a good point. As you know, we build online communities. And one of the biggest values during this time period has been the insights, the real-time insights from the consumers so that they can help make decisions, even things like messaging, but certainly letting consumers know where there's supply chain challenges and where would they go first to buy their product, you know, so getting those insights. Yeah, I would just love from your opinion, what do you see as the value of these like brand owned or online communities
0: I think you hit it just like being able to pull insights from your very loyal users. I attended actually a growth development series during my startup days. And one of the biggest things that really stuck with me over the years was um, that the consumers will tell you what they want, you just have to listen. And so I think that is a biggest thing for communities is they'll have dialogues and you just have to listen in and just kind of understand what are they talking about rather than injecting yourself into the conversation because they'll let you know what they're what they're looking for
1: (laughs) yeah and they just want you to ask like it's so funny like you know if you say stop and say you know what let me just ask them let me see if they'll and, and I think you'll be amazed by it so, we're coming up towards the end here, and you know it's the happy marketer connection. Do you have a positive story or something that's happened in your career, your personal life that you can leave our audience with?
0: I consider myself to be a really positive person. And um, with all that stuff, I, some of my career jobs that have been really stressful have proven to be. S- very fruitful in like long-standing relationships in terms of friends because we were all in it together and I think that is one of the things that like I want to like give to your audience is like even if your job seems like it's the worst job in the world that no one's listening there's someone probably in your same company feeling that same way. So reach out to them because they need another hand. And I will tell you two of my most stressful jobs are some of my best friends to date. And That's so, so great. just finding like the positive silver lining and kind of like fruitless situations is something that <laughs> (laughs) I try to do in daily life. Yeah. It's like, and I
1: know we're not going into battle, but it's, it's true. You know, if you're in it together and you're sweating together and you're up late and you've got deadlines and you're feel like, to your point, there are times where I feel like I wasn't listened to, or I did this whole project and my manager said, no, you got to start from the beginning. And you're looking at your, you know, your colleagues and your peers. I think that's just such a great thing to remember and cherish those relationships.
0: Exactly. Because... You know, I also believe in karma, so you know they'll be there for you, and you'll be there for them. But if just for mental health reasons too, like check in on people too. That seems stress.
1: <laughs> I love that. I mean, that was why I started the podcast. Was I was having all these check ins. I just I had more free time. I wasn't traveling every week. And I wanted to just connect with people I hadn't in a while. And they had such great stories to tell. I was like, oh my gosh, we could turn this into a podcast. So I think that's a really great reminder. Do you have any final thoughts
0: um, or pieces of advice to leave the audience with about building your personal brand? Just start. It's scary. Just start and just know like companies change their mission statement every few years, which I think they should because the landscape changes, your interests change. So your personal brand is not set in stone. You can rewrite it as many times as you want. And so I think that's like in terms of building your personal brand, that's like my biggest level of advice. Overall, as a marketer, I think my advice is the golden rule we all learned in kindergarten. So treat people the way you want to be treated. And that goes with your colleagues, your co-workers, and your your customers and consumers. Like think about them as your your closest loved ones.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it, Pia. So how do people find you or connect with you? What's the best way?
0: Yeah, you can find me on my website. So it's piamarquez.com. I have all my contact information there. So excellent me through that. Great. Thank you
1: so much for your time today. This has been so fun. And I think we've gotten some really good reminders for those more senior marketers, and then, of course, um, for those that are up and coming, some things that they can start off doing right.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Pia, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I love that you could share stories about how to build your personal brand and what a personal mission might look like. And especially I think everybody should take a look at Pia's website, piamarquez.com. I do think that it is a good reminder that no matter what stage we are in our career, that it's really important to tell our story. To hear other stories and lessons from happy marketers, be sure to subscribe to the Happy Marketer Connection podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and don't forget to rate us. To learn more about community building, our Vesta Solutions delivers community powered marketing to elevate your digital presence. Deliver pre- predictive insights, and transform your consumers into lasting brand advocates at scale. I also welcome you to connect with me on either LinkedIn or Twitter at Sufrec. And of course, you can find us at Vesta-Go.com. Thank you.